sound like you guys had a good time at that conference. <laughs> a lot of a lot of a lot of information. A lot of sounds like it was a good good um, good study there. But um, it's, it's good to be in the house this morning. Uh, you know, it's, it seemed like they tried to lock us out of church. <laughs> you know, it's always good to be in the house of God. It's uh, especially nice to come down and see my, uh, I call you guys my uh, West Coast family. <laughs> so I'm in Delaware. <laughs> but uh, it's good to see your faces. Uh, <laughs> good to be here. It's good to be here. But um, I thank my wife for... Um, being here with me, uh, my children, uh, is a blessing to me. They, they always encourage me, always challenge me. <laughs> and my son, he's always uh, questioning the Bible and questioning, <laughs> questions, questions, questions. But uh, I said, that's good. Keep questioning. <laughs> you know, but I uh, thank my mother uh, for coming. I uh, appreciate you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But uh, not holding you long, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to look at the book of... Uh, Book of Second Timothy, Second Timothy, Chapter Three. Amen. Second Timothy, Chapter Three. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna read the uh, whole chapter just for the uh, sake of the context here, but uh, we're gonna be. Uh, we're going to be dealing with uh, verses 16 and 17. And uh, we want to title the message here, the, the Word of God. But uh, if you found it, say amen. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 3. I'm reading from the King James Version. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. No. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> we'll keep going. <laughs> disobedient to parents. Sorry, kids, I had to do that. <laughs> Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontent, Fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort they are which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janies and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be made manifest unto all men, and theirs, as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. 
But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you once again, Lord, for just allowing us to come out to your house to worship you, Lord, as we sang earlier the song, Waymaker, you are. Thank you, Lord, for just being a good God, Lord, not giving us over to ourselves, Lord, rescuing us, Lord, from a reckless and sinful life. You came down, Lord, to save us, and we just were so thankful for that. Lord, we ask that you speak to our hearts this morning. Forgive, forgive us of sin, Lord. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I ask, Lord, that you use me in a great way this morning. Help me not to say anything I don't need to say. Help me just to preach your unadulterated word. Lord, we pray that you speak to each and every one of us individually, Lord. Allow your spirit to roam freely, Lord, in our hearts. Father, we ask you to bind Satan in the name of Jesus, Lord. He has nowhere in his place. Prepare our hearts, Lord. Prepare our minds for what it is that you have to say. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 The word of God. The word of God. The author of the book of 2 Timothy is the Holy Spirit, but inspired Paul to write. The main theme of 2 Timothy is uh, the need for faithfulness in the face of hardships. Many theologians believe that the, this was the last letter that Paul would eventually write before being beheaded under the order of Nero, according to the church tradition. Paul sitting in this dark, stale, and cold cell, being chained and awaiting his death, not because of crimes that he committed, but because of the gospel of Jesus Christ deserted by all who were close to him because of the fear of persecution, isolated from all who loved him. Paul thinks of his trusted companion in the faith, Timothy. Timothy was one who Paul deemed as faithful, trustworthy, a co-laborer in the gospel, and one he had mentored in the faith. Knowing that the end of his life is near, Paul began to write to Timothy in chapter 1, reminding him of his faith and his heritage. In verse 5, uh, he told Timothy to stir up the gift of God that was in him in verse 6, not to be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. In verse 8, and to be loyal in the, in the faith. In verse 13, in chapter 2, Paul passionately admonishes him to be strong in the faith, to endure hardship, to remember Jesus Christ, to be diligent and present himself approved to God. And he told him to flee youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace in verse 22. But as we approach here in chapter 3, 
Paul says this. He says, this know also. What is it that Paul wants us to know? He says that in the last days, perilous times shall come. These last days that Paul is speaking about uh, is the time before the Lord returns. The last days, uh, uh, the days right there in his day into the next age, so the age that we live in. And if we live uh, before he comes back, it'll be that age too. But the last days are those days before the Lord returns. And Paul says that in these last days, he said that perilous times shall come. Second uh, Peter 3, 3 says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. Uh, this word here, preparalous, uh, it's an adjective derived. Uh, it means to oppress, to annoy, properly, irksomely hard to bear, fiercely difficult to cope with because these times are so harsh, even injurious. These are perilous times that he's talking about. These times continue to come and they increase as the ages increase before the return of Christ. You see, these times Paul is talking about is not because of famine. It's not because of hurricanes and tornadoes. It's not because of any natural disaster or disease. Uh, but these times come because of men. If you look with me here in verse 2 of chapter 3, he says, For men, see this is how it reads, says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And then he says, verse 2, For men. And then he, he's, he, he gives off a laundry list here of 19 characteristics of the times, of, of the people in these times to come. Uh, and it's, 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 when we go through this, it's, it's terrible, the, the, what he describes here. But these times are coming because of men. As I said before, it, it, it's, these times aren't perilous because of anything natural, but it's, it's because of men and the wickedness of men. So Paul says here, he, he spits out 19 characteristics. And the first one he says is his, he says that for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Lover of self is describing someone preoccupied with their own selfish desires. You tell me you don't see that today. Paul saw it in his day and, and we see it in our day. Lovers of selves. Then he says here is that not only are they lovers of selves, he says they're covetous. A covetous is a, a, a lover of money. Someone who's in love with personal gain of having money. <laughs> I mean, that's all up and down in our world today. The lovers of money. And Paul says also another characteristic. He says this is that they're boasters. Boasters are a wandering vagrant, a vagabond, boasting to anyone who is foolish enough to take him seriously. This kind of person claims many things he can't really do. 
So he must always keep moving on to new and naive listeners, boasters. I'm sure you cross many of those. <laughs> and then he says here is that those that are proud, those who overshine, trying to be more than what God directs, going beyond the faith he imparts, proud. The world is filled of a bunch of proud individuals. Then he says here is blasphemers. Those are slanderous, evil speaking, uh, reverses spiritual and moral realities. Someone always speaking evil of others. And then he says here is disobedient to parents. It's literally unwilling to be persuaded by God, which shows itself in outward disobedience, outward spiritual rebellion, disobedience because they're unpersuaded to their parents. I don't even have to explain that one. He also says this is that they're unthankful. Meaning ungracious, without God's grace or favor, which results in unthankfulness. Do you know some people that are unthankful? Do you? you thankfulness. <laughs> One instance, I, I remember when I was living down in the D.C. area, and I, I saw this guy, he was asking for money on the side of the road, and he looked pretty beat up. So I said, ah, I felt led to give him something. So I uh, I, I reached in my pocket and I was waving at him. I said, here's a dollar. Here, gave him a dollar. He goes, oh, man, you got anything more than that? <laughs> Unthankful. <laughs> I started to snatch my dollar in his hands. Man, get out of my face. <laughs> but <laughs> those who are, and then he says, those who are unholy. <laughs> Without reverence. For what should be hallowed properly, utter disregard of what is sacred, willful and arrogant disrespect of the things of God, impious and wicked. There's a lot of unholy people out here making mockery of the church. They have movies out mocking the church and, and church life. Got shows out, pastor wives, and, and all this other garbage. You, you try to witness the people, and they say, oh, I, I saw that show. Like, what show did you see? You know, the pastor wives. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Unholy. And then he says here is that without natural affection, this one got me here, it's unloving a family affection or being heartless. Meaning that family members don't even love each other. I understand we got some family feuds. Like, oh, I hate my cousin or I hate somebody doing this and that. But I don't mean it, you know, we just hate what they do. But he's talking about without natural affection. A brother and a sister who act like they don't even know each other. Fathers and, and mothers who, who don't even uh, 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 claim their children without natural affection, unloving. The abortion rate is skyrocketing. Unloving without natural affection. 
He says here, truce breakers, those who are unforgiving. I mean, if someone says that, you know, oh, let's, I'm, I'm sorry for what I did to you, man. Let's just make up. No, 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 no. It's, it's I'm not going to forgive you. My wife told me, uh, one of her friends told her about a, a story of a young man who, who got in a fight in Philly with his friend. He got beat up really bad. And, and three years later, he, he murdered a guy. Three years later, that's unforgiving, truce breakers. Three, three years, that thing just festered in his heart. And now he's in jail for the rest of his life. You see, truce breakers. Paul says that also another characteristic in these last days are false accusers. To slander, to accuse or, or defame. Uh, it's a, a, a slander, a false accuser, unjustly criticizing to hurt or to malign and condemn to sever a relationship. A word you usually translated devil. <laughs> and by the way, he's the great accuser. And here it is, in these last days, the days that we're living in, you have people who are just like the devil. False accusers, on the job, everywhere. He also says here is that those who are incontent, lacking self-control. <laughs> like the way the sister said, she, she said, I didn't get those books. <laughs> I had some self-control. <laughs> I like that, sis. I, I got to get, get some of that. <laughs> but those who, 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 who lack self-control, self-discipline, self-restraint, and you see that in our culture today, there's a lot of that. He says those who are fierce, not tame or brutal, the, the opposite of being civilized, as if, you're, if they're an animal or something and they're not tamed. That's the, the picture he has here, those who are civilized. You look at our young men in the street today, killing one another, just recklessly, just, just out of control, fierce. He says also despisers of those that are good. A hater of good, describing someone who is hostile to the things of God. An active opponent, an enemy of God's kingdom for good. You look at these cults and, and these groups out here, how they hate the people of God, how they hate the church of God. It's always protest, protest, protest. Despisers of those that are good. He says also traitors in a sense of giving forward into another, uh, into the enemy's hand, a surrenderer, a betrayer, a traitor. Those who you thought that were with you, they turn their back on you. My dad used to play a song, they smile in your face. And all the time they want to take your place. <laughs> Max Dabbers. <laughs> Traitors. It's sad to say that there's some in the church today. Traitors. He also says here that are heady, or, or that word heady means to fall forward headlong or, or headstrong, rash, uh, brought on by unbridled passion and recklessness. A reckless person, reckless people. Living in our day to day, 
And he also says, he says, high-minded. Those to blow, to blow smoke, the word means to cloud up the air. Figuratively, having a cloudy, muddled mindset. Moral blindness resulting from poor judgment, which, which brings further loss of spiritual perception. High-minded. It's interesting, you see a lot of people that are very educated doctorates and masters and and goes on and on and on but they're blinded blinded by what they think to be good a loss of spiritual perception they choose the the education over the word of god he says also here is that lovers of pleasures more than lovers of god How much do you love God? Or how much do you love your pleasures? I heard people tell me all the time is that I would go to church, but it's NFL season, buddy. <laughs> lovers of pleasure than lovers of God. I'd rather wash my car on Sunday than to be at church. I'd rather watch my TV show than to get into the word of God. You see, he said in these last days, there's going to be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And then he says that, in the 19th thing, he says that those who have of godliness, an outward shape, that, that word means to, like a metamorphosis. He says they, they have the form of godliness, the outward appearance of godliness, but they deny the thereof. And this is one of the most dangerous characteristics in our day to day. Deception. Those who take on the form of godliness. They go to churches. They pay tithes. They say God is good. They, they, they even have a Christian book. Having the form of godliness. But they deny the power thereof. Oh, I believe to a guy the other day. But, you know, I, I'm young, man. I, I just got to live my I just got to live my life. I said, well, don't you know that God can change your life? He goes, ah, I don't know about that, man. You know, maybe when I get older, you know, get a little more wiser, I can get it. <laughs> He's denying the power thereof. And Paul says here, he says, the, verse 5, the Paul says to turn away from this. He's talking to Timothy. He says to turn away from these things. I, I pointed out these because it's so important for us to see is that in these perilous times, these times are perilous because of all 19 of these characteristics that are living in our society today. This is why these times are perilous. This is why you have corruption. This is why you have corruption in the church. This is why you have corruption all over the workforce. This is why these times are perilous. It's because in these last days, these characteristics of the type of people that are living, and listen to me, these things, these aren't going away. I heard many people say that, oh, it's going to be a great revival in the last days. It's going to be a great revival. You know, 
and, and, and the church is going to explode and everything is going to happen. I don't even know if that's biblical. <laughs> Paul just said here is that there's perilous times shall come. He says, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Listen, the, the times that we're living in, they're getting worse. I can imagine my father's, his day, it wasn't as worse as my day. I can't imagine what, what my children's day is going to look like if it get there. You see, these days that we're living in are perilous times. It's so important that we get this. It's because these type of characteristics is why these times are And they're not getting better. They're getting worse and worse and worse and worse. You see, some thinking that, oh, everything's going to get great. It's not getting better. And this is Paul was talking about. Paul's about to be beheaded, get his head chopped off for the gospel's sake. And he's talking to Timothy. He's warning him that, Timothy, look, you need to grasp these things because I'm telling you, things aren't getting better. Paul said that having the form of godliness but denying the power thereof, Turn away from these type of people, these characteristics. You see, I was thinking about that. I said, you know, sometimes we as Christians take on these characteristics. We take on the spirit of this world. And but Paul was later in one of the other chapters, Paul says that, you know, we're not ignorant of Satan devices. And this is one of his devices that he used to entrap us as Christians. Uh, we, we get along, we, we go along with the flow. We, 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 we go along with society. We, 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 we drop our standards, we pick up theirs, and we just to get along, let's just get along. Let's just get along, get along. Paul says that for this sort there, which creep into houses and leads captive silly women laden with sins, led with direst lust. He's saying those who, talking about the women at home, how with the widows and, and, and those women at home, how uh, he says how teachers will come in, false teachers will come in. Basically, he's saying is that, and to lead them astray. Just tell them anything and everything. You know, I have, I have some cousins who, um, they're single in their home and they look at certain shows on TV and, and listen to these false prophets on TV. And, and they talk about uh, marrying millionaires and, and all type of foolishness. And they get tied up in all that junk. And you see, Paul was saying the same thing here is that being led away with divers lusts. And he says that, look, you, they ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You got people who all, you know, they, they're all Bible, Bible, they're in the, in the Word of God. and they're, they're, You think they're in the Word of God. They're always searching and talking about scriptures and things of that nature. But their lives don't line up with what they say. Ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. He's <laughs> 
Paul says in verse 8, he says, It's Janies and Jambres withstood Moses. So these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning faith. He gave an example over in Exodus where Janies and Jambres went against Moses. When Moses uh, performed the miracles and Janies and Jambres, they did the same thing in front of Pharaoh. You know, he turned, he made, uh, made a bunch of frogs. They made a bunch of frogs. He, he dropped the, uh, the, uh, the staff and it became a snake. And they dropped the staff, became a snake. A snake. You see, these men were under a demonic control. These men possessed demonic powers. They were corrupt. Paul said reprobate concerning the faith. And you see, you have to be careful that every miracle you think is not from God. Sometimes we, we think like, oh, oh, you know, oh, God performed this miracle. This, this, that, and that. Yeah. It ain't lined up with scripture. You know what that is? That's demonic power. You see, sometimes we, we, we forget that <laughs> Satan has some power. <laughs> you know, we forget that at times. But there's demonic power out here in our world today. There are things that are happening, supernatural things that are happening, and, and people are believing. You, you go, one of my guys, guys I know, he'd go to the psychic, go, man, she helped me to hit the number this week. I said, I bet she did. <laughs> she probably asked you for her part. <laughs> you see, you got psychics out here, palm readers, and, and all type of demonic worship. They got a, a church in, in Michigan, uh, the satanic temple. You got to watch out today. There's a lot of demonic activity that's going on. But can I tell you? That they're reprobate concerning the faith. And Paul says, but they shall proceed no further. Their folly shall be made manifest unto all men. Praise God. And God, God has to intervene. Because if he didn't, things would go real bad. <laughs> so thank God for that. But Paul said, manifest unto all men. And theirs also was, as Janies and Jambres was, they were, they were um, exposed. But he says in verse 10, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, faith and long suffering and charity. You see, Paul is, is encouraging Timothy in the faith here. He's telling him that, Timothy, look, you know me. You, you, you know my doctrine, my you know manner of life I live before you, my faith, the long suffering, the charity, the patience, the persecutions, the afflictions which came at me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra with persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. You see, Timothy walked with Paul. He saw the things that Paul had went through. Paul got knocked upside his head. I don't know how many times. They said they threw him, they, they, they thought they stoned him and threw him up on a trash pile outside of the city at one point. Thinking that he was dead. But God supernaturally brought him back. You see, Paul was admonishing Timothy. He said, look, I'm a faithful servant of God. And I'm telling you this, Timothy, because I love you. I'm sharing with you. Because you know my manner of life. And you know you every Sunday. You know He wouldn't go. Is wrong. He's a sheep looking out for the sheep. And, and Paul was telling Timothy, he said, look, you know all these things. And he says, but in verse 12, 
He says, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You see, there was many who stopped following Paul <laughs> because of persecution. There, there was many who turned their back on Paul because of the persecutions. Uh, you know, it, it's one thing to say I'm with you, but when the persecutions come, people start to turn tail and run. We understand when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and before then, he was talking to him in the upper room. And Peter ran his mouth and said, Lord, I won't leave you. I never leave you, Lord. I never leave you. And Jesus said, before the cock could crow twice, you'll deny me thrice. We understand in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was there, in that great uh, sweat drops of blood, uh, con contemplating with the Father to take away the sins of the world. And we understand that the disciples were over there falling asleep. Jesus said you couldn't stay awake. And when the kiss of death came from Judas, when he betrayed our Lord, everybody turned tail and ran. Scattered. They said everybody scattered. James, John, all of them. Even the ones that he loved all left. And you see, when Paul came into this persecution, you see, there was false teachers in that day, and they were saying, oh, if he's supposed to be a man of God, why is he in jail? If he's a man of God, why is everybody against him? Shouldn't everybody be with him? Can I tell you, and Paul told Timothy, yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you're living for Christ, listen, the devil's got a hit on you. He's got a hit on you. And you're going to suffer some point or another. But you can't deter from your mission. You can't back down. You got to understand that we're, we're going to suffer. That's a part of the Christian life. But he says here that meet evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse in verse 13. Deceiving and being deceived. But he told Timothy, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned that thou hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast earned them. And this is when we get into our passage today. Paul told Timothy in verse 15, he says, From a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through the faith which is in Christ Jesus. He kept reminding Timothy over and over again. Many theologians believe that, uh, you know, Timothy was a young man. They, they believe that Timothy had some insecurities about himself. You see, Paul was telling them earlier, don't let nobody take your youthfulness for granted. He was saying, look, you know the scriptures, preach the scriptures, stand by the scriptures, live by the scriptures. Don't let these wicked people come against you and try to tell you and persuade you of other things. You see, sometimes you have to be reminded. All throughout scripture, it, said, it said, talks about lest you forget in the book of Hebrews. It talks in the Old Testament, don't forget in the Proverbs. And, and all through scripture, it talks about don't forget. Don't forget because as hum our human nature, we're prone to forget. And we have to be reminded. That's why it's important for us to get into God's word so that God can remind us every day of whose we are. And Paul was saying that even from a child, Timothy, you knew the scriptures. Your mother and your grandmother have taught you, Eunice and Lois. He says, look, I need you to continue on in the faith. I'm not going to be here with you long. My day is coming and it's near. But Paul says this. 
He says all scripture is given inspiration of God. You see, after all that I just shared with you in the beginning of chapter three of these perilous times, and the reason why they're perilous is because and these characteristics, these 19 characteristics that I just named, because of all of this, all the encouragement Paul had given Timothy, he was telling them how that these holy scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation. And then he goes back to the beginning. He brings him back to the basics of the word of God. And he brings him back to the You and I need to get living in these perilous anyway that he needed to get. And all, meaning each and every part in totality. It means that all in the sense of each and every part that applies the emphasis of the total picture then is one piece at a time, then focuses on the part making up the whole, viewing the whole in terms of the individual parts. Is all of it is inspired or God breathed. Referring to divine inspiration of scripture. It's only used here in 2 Timothy 3.16 that this scripture is God breathed. Literally breathed out of the mouth of you see, sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we think it's just a book. This is not some great novel. This is not Moby Dick. This is not the Odyssey. This is not some uh, flip of the whim. This is the word of God. This word is literally breathed out by him. For you and I. You see, sometimes God told the Bible writers, uh, MacArthur wrote, sometimes God told the Bible writers the exact words to say, especially in Jeremiah 1.9, but more often he used their minds, their vocabularies, their experiences to produce his perfect, infallible, and errant word. Period. We just got finished talking about those characteristics, how those who having the form of godliness but denying the power there's men out here who commentaries who believe that this is not the full assurance of the word of God. Turn tales. They don't believe in the holy scriptures that God has given us this. Listen, if, if you're a Christian and you don't believe that this is God breathed, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Why are we here at church? Why do we memorize scripture? Why are we following the, the principles and precepts of God's word if we don't believe in this book? You see, Paul was telling Timothy, look, Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. You see, not only is this given, not only is God breathed, but he says this, that it's profitable, it's beneficial. For teaching and instructions, the divine instruction or doctrinal content, both Old and New Testament, the scriptures provides everything pertaining to life and godliness. Psalm 119 verses 97 to 105 says this, oh, 
how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for the testimonies are meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I kept thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from away, that I might keep the word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than the honey of to thy mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding. Though therefore I hate every false way. And, and you know this one, 105, thy feet and a light unto my path. You see, God's word is, is profitable for doctrine, for instruction. The psalmist just wrote there, is that it's than the honeycomb. You see, not only is it profitable, it's for reproof. He said is it, it's for reproof. A, pr a proof, that which a thing is proved or tested. The scripture exposes sin that can be dealt with through confession and repentance. First John, if we, if we confess, our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and us from all unrighteousness. You see, the word of God is so wonderful. The word of God exposes us. <laughs> you know, I, I, but every time I read God's word, it exposes me. I tell my kids, oh, you don't do this. Didn't you do that? I said, whoo, man, Lord, why you got to hit me like that? You see, God's word is exposes sin. You see, that, that's why the unbelievers don't like it. And you start. Don't hear that? You see, it exposes. And you see, this is what we need this word of God to do in our lives. We need it to expose us. Can I tell you, if you're trying to get close to Jesus, you need to be exposed. You see, that's that you don't even know about. There's some things that you do that you're not, you're not aware of. Uh, the sister mentioned that earlier. It was all in my message, sister. <laughs> but <laughs> God's word, it exposes sin. It exposes it. James says the, the perfect law of liberty. When you look into the mirror of the word, and James said, you guys went through James. You know what I'm talking about. You see Hebrews 4, 12, and 13 says, for the word of God is quick. And powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked, and all of him with whom we have to do. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, sin. What do they do? Go get some fig leaves trying to hide. God says, Adam, where art thou? He didn't ask him, where, why was he hiding? He said, where art thou? He said, oh, Lord, I knew that you, you know, you knew this, this. So, Adam, did you, did you eat from that tree, Adam? Oh, that woman. <laughs> you see, the word of God exposes sin. 
And you see, we need that. You know, when Isaiah uh, said, he says, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple with glory. And that when he, when he, when the presence of God, he, he said, oh, woo. Man of unclean lips. I'm a man of an unclean heart because I'm standing before God. You see, people say, oh, I'll get close to God. I just wait a luck. When you get close to God, God will expose you. He will expose you. You caught phony teaching, getting close to God, and you're still keeping your sins in your life. Listen, God's going to expose you if you're getting close to him. I don't know how people claim to God, and they continue to sin and do all type of wicked things. Listen, you ain't getting close to God. You might be knowing more about him, but you're looking at him from a distance. You're not right up on the table eating from the bread of life. Because when you're at the table... And you're eating from the bread of life. Listen, there's going to be some conversations going on. So he says, here's a reproof. And then he also says a correction. It's a, a fitting intensifying. Uh, uh, to, uh, making straight. Uh, suitable because, of, because straight or restored to its original or proper condition. The word means a correction. Referring to something that is aptly straightened out. <laughs> I remember what my mother used to say. <laughs> had no business doing. She said, all right, you need to come on in here. I'm about to straighten you out. <laughs> said, no, Mama, please don't straighten me. <laughs> you know what that meant. <laughs> she grabbed the switch or the belt <laughs> and straightened you out. <laughs> you see, the word of God, he, he says it's for correction. <laughs> it straightens you out. You see, God is so gracious. The word not only rebukes uh, wrong behavior, but it points us back to the right direction. It points you back to the right way. You see, God's just not going to beat you over your head and beat you to a pulp. He's, he's pointing you back, back to the bread of life, uh, back to wholesomeness, you know, back to the one who made you. It's pointing you back to the goodness of God's word. Thank God for his word. You see, Paul was telling Timothy, look, all these wicked people in the world and, and all these things are going on. Listen, you got to hold on to this word. It's for reproof. It's for correction. And then he also says that the word, not only the word is for instructions and in righteousness, literally means child training and, and a godly behavior. God will train you by his word. He will train you. You see, he had to use here uh, the, the term for a child training that God will teach you God will well if you get under God's word he will train you he will he will teach you how to walk upright teach a man how to be a man teach a woman how to be a woman teach a child how to stand in his place and be obedient you see it's only through the word of God you're going to get that a lot of these psychiatrists come in talking about Children have rights and they can divorce their parents. You say, oh, take them then. Oh, we, don't, we don't want them. Like, you, you, you can pay for them and pay for their bills and pay to feed them and all. Telling you how to raise your child. Listen, this is what tells me how to raise my child. The word of God. It says instructions in righteousness. 
God will train us. Do you know that there are no adults in Christ? We're all children. <laughs> God has to train us. And then we look here and see the results. Up here, see the results. It says that the man of God may be made perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You see this text here, and he's teaching here is that the man of God, he's talking about the preacher because he's speaking to Timothy, who's a preacher. Uh, but you see, this word thoroughly furnished or equipped, it enabled to meet all the demands of godly ministry and righteous living. The word not only does this in the life of the man of God, but all who will follow him. You know, Paul also said that follow me. You see, when your pastor says follow me as I follow Christ, every pastor should say that. Follow me as I follow Christ. Because that's a tall yeah. Because he, his intent follow Christ. And that's what he does. And you see, but the word of God here, it applies if you're a disciple of God. He says that the man of God, or if a woman, you may be perfect. You may be complete in God's word. Colossians 2.10 says, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and powers. You don't become complete when you get a doctorate or a master's. You don't become complete when you turn 21. You don't become complete when you think you got so much life under your belt. You become complete when you get the word of God in you. God is perfecting us. And you see, you'll never become fully complete. <laughs> because it's sanctification. God is working on you day by day. Day by day, it's not like the Nazarenes where they believe that you get to this certain pinnacle and you don't sin no more. <laughs> I don't know where they got that from, but that ain't true. <laughs> but he says here is that so you can be thoroughly furnished or equipped and able to meet all the demands of godly ministry and righteous living. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 14 says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. You see, God's word will help you to become thoroughly furnished or complete. Unto works. You see, a lot of people think that this Bible is a self-help book. You know, there's a... Uh, one of my friends, he was a Scientologist. He said, oh, I read the Bible. It has a lot of good things in it. And, you know, and, and, you know it actually helps you. I said, really? He goes, yeah, it, it helps you. It, um, you know, it, it, it gives you the perspective of, of, you know, of living life. You take bits and pieces of what you want and you apply it to your life. And then there you go, man. You know, that's why I'm a Scientologist. And I said, that's why you're a Scientologist. <laughs> But you see, people think that 
Oh, I'm going to read the Bible because it's going to help me to get somewhere in life. Uh, uh, my own ambitions or my, my uh, seeking after my own things in life. No. He says first, unto all good works. Unto all good works. Jesus told the one guy, he told him to, he said, you follow the commandments. He says, uh, he said that, you know, he says, oh, good master. Jesus said, told him, he says, he says, good master. Jesus says, only God is good. You see, good works, only good things can come from God. There's nothing good outside of God. Only good things can come from God. He says to be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Good works. So you see here is Paul was admonished. Is that after all these things that are going on in this, in this world that we live in, even though you suffer persecution, even though uh, evil men are going to wax worse and worse, he tells them that, look, Timothy, you got to hold to God's word. You have to hold on to his word. One of the songs my wife likes by Douglas Miller, My Soul Has Been Anchored, he says that through the storms, though the storms keep on raging in my life, and sometimes it's hard to tell the night from day. Still that hope that lies within me is reassured as I keep my eyes upon the distant shore. I know he'll lead me safely to that blessed place he has prepared. But if the storms don't cease and if the winds keep blowing in my life, my soul has been anchored in the Lord. He says, I realize that sometimes in this life, we're going to be tossed by the waves and the currents that seem so fierce. One thing I like, but it is the word of God that I've got an anchor. And it keeps me steadfast, unmovable, despite the tide. You see, there are some storms in your life. There's going to be some rocky times in your life like Timothy was about to experience. As Paul was about to get his head chopped off. But Paul held on to the anchor of the word of God. You see, saints, this is all we have in this life. This is all we have of God. Heaven and earth shall pass. But the word of God will last forever. And this is what in the Timothy is that, listen, all these things matter. My life, I count not dear to me. My family, my friends, my social status. My cars, my home, all this stuff is going to fade away. But the only thing that's going to last is the word of God. The word of God. And this is why you have to hold to his unchanging hand. This is why we come to church. This is why we get in the book. This is God breathed. His words to you and to me. And we have to hold to that. May God help us in the day that we live. Many are falling away from the faith. But Paul has the remedy here. The scriptures. The holy scriptures. We got to believe it, saints. We have to believe what God has said. There may be one here today who haven't put their trust in his living God. 
You may not have believed in what God has said. Can I tell you, God says that he loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. If you're here today and you, you don't know if you're going to heaven, you haven't put your trust in God, I admonish you that you need to. God says he's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. The reason why God hasn't come back right now and cracked this sky, and the, and, and, and the reason why wickedness hasn't taken over is because God's Holy Spirit is here. It's dwelling within his saints. God is giving the unbeliever time. If you're here today and you're not saved, you got to get it right. You got to get it right with Jesus. You have to get it right with Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you cared so much about us. That you gave us your word. Lord, we pray that you move upon our hearts today. There's one here. Lord, we ask you to prick their hearts, Lord. Draw them to the cross. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we ask that you keep us, Lord, by your mighty power. Lord, these sinners are waxing worse and worse, Lord. Seems like they're picking up momentum so fast. They're strengthening day by day, Lord. But Lord, we know that you're all powerful. We ask, Lord, that you would help us, Lord. Strengthen our hearts and minds, Lord, for the days that we're living in. Help us to contend and not to conform. We ask, Lord, that you just touch each and every one of your people that's represented here today, Lord. Strengthen them, Lord. Strengthen them. Help them to get into your book so that you can speak to them. We thank you for your word. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. May our lives never be the same, Lord, after today. May we change, Lord, for the good of the gospel. We thank you. We pray, Lord, for each and every one here that you would help them, Lord, wherever they need in their lives today. Many of us are struggling, Lord. We pray that you meet the needs. Meet the needs, Lord, individually. Thank you again, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.